Our sponsor today is Green Ronin Publishing. Green Ronin is a Seattle-based company dedicated to the art of great role-playing games. Since the year 2000, Green Ronin has established a reputation for quality and innovation that is second to none. If you're looking for exciting fantasy, look no further than Fantasy Age, where your heroic stunting can create the difference between a cinematic battle and a mundane encounter. Have a need to strap on a cape and fight the forces of evil? They do mutants and masterminds. Also available, the Expanse role-playing game based upon the hit book series. Green Ronin Publishing creates role-playing games, card games, and fiction for the very best in role-playing games and to forge your own path. Choose Green Ronin Publishing and become your own master. Find them at greenronin.com on all social media at Green Ronin Pub and wherever role-playing games are sold. The world of adventure is large indeed. Be sure to listen to these other great folks out there on the internet. Hello, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm John, DM of the actual play Fantasy Age podcast called Wreckage. Fancy joining us on an adventure where our group find themselves involved in a secret war? Where they tackle challenging dilemmas, fight shadowy foes, and go shoo and uh, rush shopping? Well, we have it all. Tension, drama, and an awful lot of laughs. And also Jeremy the Sheep. If you fancy joining our journey, you can find all our links at linktree forward slash wreckage RPG. That's with the dot between the TR and the EE. That's linktree forward slash wreckage RPG. Well, we hope you give us a go and go listen to our show. Now, please continue to enjoy the podcast you are listening to. Brought to you by the power of the internet and fueled by imagination. This is Game Night Heroes. We toss dice and tell stories. The deeds of heroes await and legends dare to be heard. This is Game Night Heroes. Hello and welcome back to the Game Night Heroes. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. We are a group of friends playing tabletop role-playing games, and today we're about to tell you a collaborative story where the outcome of said story is going to be determined by dice rolling. We are continuing our adventures in the Freeport Trilogy from Green Ronin Publishing. And before we do that, however, we'd like to take a moment to remind you all who we are. Hey everybody, I'm Rob. I will be playing Victor Reed of the Anchors Reed. I'm Colleen. I play Iridanza of the Sea. I'm Aaron. I play Arden. And uh, I am of nowhere. No, I'm just not with those two. Nisha, where are you from? Where are you of? Uh, I'm not really of anywhere. I'm Nisha Lyconia. Uh, I'm the Night Wolf. Actually, I'm Brittany playing Nisha. <laughs> and I, of course, am Kevin. I am the Dungeon Master for the campaign, which means that I get to play as everyone and everything else. 
So, without any further ado, let us dive back into Freeport, the city of adventure. Previously on Game Night Heroes. With mere hours remaining until the Brotherhood of the Unspeakable One enacts their dark ritual that will damn and destroy Freeport, our heroes make a desperate last attempt race to the island of Tewick to claim the final artifact necessary to stop the evil plan. The four heroes, as well as Castallo, the serpent person priest and follower of the ancient ways, make their way back to the island that has plagued them all so deeply in the past. Time races against our heroes as they make their way on the first steps to the final journey that will decide the fate of the city of Freeport. Our tale now resumes. In the two-mile stretch of harbor between Freeport and the island of Tewick, a small rowboat makes its way with purpose and determination. Within, five once strangers, now brought together by destiny, to forge a path to the island to stop the unspeakable horrors about to be unleashed by the Sea Lord of Freeport, Milton Drack. Rowing at this specific moment is Iridanza, her blue-tinged skin giving her a shimmery and ethereal glow in the waning light of the afternoon sun. On the other set of oars, Nisha, her elven features a focus of determination, her fuchsia hair blowing in the slight breeze. The two ladies are taking their shift, while the men are just finishing up their pastry treats. Yum. Castallo, his middle-aged man form, ripples for a second as he looks on to the island of Tewick. He speaks to the four of you. My friends, I can feel the dark presence approaching on the island. It feels like something I have not felt in nearly 2,000 years. It feels like home. His eyes narrow into slits. Victor, you turn to regard the island of Tewick. There is a certain trepidation that comes across you as well. You have quite a history with this island. It's the place where your entire crew died, perhaps by your hand accidentally as you claimed an artifact for your own. It's a place where you nearly died, a place where Nisha very nearly fell to the abyss before you, in a gambit, saved her. It's a place where perhaps the four of you might die still. What's running through your head at this moment, Victor, as you approach the island? Excited. After all the times that have gone here, first couple times, very nervous. Now, with us having the potential destiny of saving Freeport, and finally living out my dream of living a grand adventure and ending the adventure, whether I live or die, it's just fantastic to me. Excellent. So, excited. There is a boyish grin that forms across your features, Victor, as the salt wind whips across your face. You feel free. You feel home on the ocean. But your thoughts do drift back to the home in which you were raised, and to the letter setting quite heavily in your pocket. And for a brief moment, your jubilant thoughts are marred 
with the responsibility that you hold there as well. But you push that aside for now. There's bigger things to deal with than what's to happen at home. Nisha, as you finish your shift with the rowing and you hand the oars off to Castallo, you also have a very determined look on your face. This island once took a heavy toll from you as well. The last time that you were here, it very nearly took everything from you. What are you thinking in this moment as you return here? I'm feeling dread and trepidation returning back to this island. I'm not as afraid of encountering the unspeakable one as I once was, but I know that I can't beat it alone, and we have to find this artifact so we can destroy it. There is a bright fuchsia flare that goes across your eyes for a moment as the determination washes over you and burns away the fear. You sit back and you reach into the pouch and you pull out a pastry and enjoy your dinner, it would seem. Perhaps the last dinner that you shall have on this world. Pastries made by Desi. I can die happy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Arden, you're already well into the pastries. In fact, you've left only about a third of the bag for your companions. As you watch as Victor and Castallo take up their shifts with the oars, What's going through your mind? What are you thinking about right now? Oh, man. This island again. And this boat. Probably going to throw up on the way there. And there's always going to be those snake people. And who knows what else. Yeah, that sucks. But, oh well. I'm the chosen one. I gotta, I gotta do it. <laughs> it's my destiny. It's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. Saving the world and everything. It's something that you just have to do, apparently. Your thoughts do drift back to the monastery that you grew up in, and the way that no one there truly believed in you. They all treated you as though you were a little bit different from them, and you were, because you weren't interested in all of the monastic training that they offered there. And it wasn't until Katarina came along that you actually had a higher purpose. And you hope that you can make her proud when you return to the city after saving it from whatever it is that Sea Lord is trying to do. Castalla was very vague about what exactly the ceremony was that destroyed Velasa 2,000 years ago. But you know it can't be good if it's something that you all are rushing into danger again about. Iridanza, you take your return to the island as probably the most severe of these four. Because although the four of them have had interactions with the creature that resides on this island, the otherworldly deity, perhaps, that gives the cult of the yellow sign, the brotherhood of the unspeakable one, their power, you know that your race was once driven from these lands simply by existing. You know that the fall of Alasa affected your people as much as it affected the serpent people. You also know that the artifact the final artifact that you need in a puzzle to defeat the Sea Lord and his nefarious schemes lies somewhere on this island, under the waves, under the water, a place that perhaps only you can go. What are you thinking when you return to this island right now? Right now, I'm thinking a million thoughts, but I'm trying mostly to focus on the artifact that I have to retrieve under the water, staying focused 
not letting my fears creep in, my fears of failure. If I don't find this artifact, if I don't succeed, what's left of my people could be destroyed, completely extinct. And right now, I'm prepared to risk everything, life and all, to make sure that my people live. So the four of you in your different states of preparedness and your different states of mental anguish watch as the island of Tawik draws closer. You row for about another hour before you come upon the sandy shore and relatively the same place where you had arrived before, where you had first made your voyage over to here to determine what was up with the lighthouse. I would like to row right into that little river that Victor had told us about. If you guys are on board with that. Yeah, I figured we'd just go right to the cave where I remember it being. Okay. I guess it'd be safer to row to it than to go through the land. Yeah, I agree. It'll be extra time, but... Yeah, it's probably faster, actually, to go by water than by land. Oh, most definitely to follow the shoreline and go by water, for sure. Mm-hmm. Could one of you, uh, the four of you, please make a survival check to determine a navigational course to go around that island without perhaps gaining attention from what you can see as you get closer, the crewmen that are finishing up the lighthouse? I have a plus two in my survival. Go for it. Well, anyways, I got a ten, so, you know. All right. You start giving directions for Victor to make his way off to the way. And Victor, you have gone this way before, so you are able to have a general idea of what she's talking about. And you take the pointers without any sort of problems. And the five of you make your way along the shoreline, making your way towards the southern side of Tewick. As you do so, Victor, you notice that as you get about a thousand feet out of the line of sight of the lighthouse, and begin to turn around the western shore of the island. Your thoughts drift back to when you first arrived here with the crew. You remember sailing on the vessel, the ship then. And as you turn the corner, you see that same ship. You swear for a moment that perhaps it's just a trick of your memory, but you actually blink for a moment, and you shake your head to full attention, and you see that it's still there. That ship that once brought you to this island is right on the side of Twick. Huh. Good news is, guys, we have a ship back. When you arrived on this island, you arrived with a crew of 23. And when you left, it was alone. So you weren't able to man it by yourself, but you were able to use its rowboat to arrive in Freeport's Harbor. Those several months ago. As you approach even closer, if we could please have everyone make a perception check. Whoa. You know what? I'm lucky, so I'm not going to take that in that one. I'm going to reroll that. Okay. And it's a nine. Ooh. Still pretty low. Nisha got an 18. Iridanza got a 21. I got a 10. Iridanza, as you are approaching the section of the island, you notice that ship as well, but what you notice that your companions do not is that there is movement on board it would seem that there is someone on the ship moving about. And just as you notice them, they seem to disappear from view, as if moving to a different section of the ship that you can't see from this angle. Did you see that? There's someone on the ship. 
Well, that's strange. Could be serpent people. Could be the ghosts of Victor's crewmates. What if it's Scarbelly? (laughs) So, what do you guys do? Do we have time to investigate the ship, or should we keep going? At this point, it's going to be about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Sunset at this time of year is about between 8, 8.30. So we don't have a lot of time, I think. We'll deal with it when we come back to it. Yeah. As we go by, let's just keep an eye on it so we don't get ambushed, but let's keep going. Let's keep heading for the river. Gotcha. So the five of you keep your attention very tightly drawn as you continue to row the rest of the way in. Costello looks about the island, and he seems to have a detached look, one that seems to imply to all of you that he is remembering things from the past. This island is taking an emotional toll on him as well. But he stays steadfast and true, and you guys continue to row closer to the shore. Iridanza and Victor, if the two of you could please roll nature checks for me. With a negative one, Iridanza still rolled an 18. Nice. I got a seven. Okay. Iridanza, because you are very skilled at being in the sea, in the ocean, in the water, you are aware that this time of the day, and you can tell by how the tide is interacting with the island, that right now it looks to be low tide. It may make your trip through the river that Victor spoke about that leads into the interior cave a little bit more difficult, but you'll have to see when you get closer. Awesome. As the five of you move past the ship, you see that on the side of it, the name upon the ship of whatever it was called before is scratched off and no longer apparent. Victor, you think back and you actually don't remember what the name of the ship even was at this point. And that saddens you a little bit. It was part of your grand adventurous journey and you don't even remember. But you remember the captain, a tall, scruffy looking guy. And you do remember how he had a very specific way of addressing you as boy, even though you technically hired him. He was a bit of a gruff soul, and you think about him for a moment as you guys move past the ship. You all keep your attention peeled as you move past it slowly and cautiously, making your way towards what you can now see is a cave opening amongst a copse of trees on a southern section of the island shore. You notice nothing out of the ordinary. It would seem whatever Iridanza was warning you about is no longer around, or perhaps it wasn't there in the first place. After all, you guys have had a very busy couple of days. Victor, as you draw closer to the cave, your feeling of an ease gets stronger. This section of your memory is rather dark indeed, and you're not really sure if you are ready to go back in here, but you know that you have to. Nisha and Arden, if the both of you please could roll wisdom saving throws. Oh no. Here we go again. Here we go. 20. <laughs> All right. I will keep that. <laughs> yeah. And a seven. Uh... And Nisha, you think back to the thoughts of the island and what happened to you the last time you were here, but you are resolute. You know that you have to be strong in this moment. The Night Wolf has faced her greatest foe, and this island is nothing compared to him. Arden, you try to hide it, but your knees start shaking and your teeth start chattering before you are even within 100 feet of the cave opening. The island, despite your better thoughts against it, 
still freaks you out quite a bit. Can Nisha make a perception check on Arden to see if she notices him freaking out? Yeah, I would say with your passive perception, Nisha, you notice that Arden is definitely looking rather scared and upset. He's not saying anything to any of you, but he definitely looks like he is in a very worried state. Nisha will put her hand on his shoulder and give him a gentle squeeze of encouragement. Okay. The five of you approach the cave. Victor, you point out that this is definitely the one that you were at before. You recognize it. And as your small rowboat gets up to where the shore would be, you steer towards the small river that begins to go into the cave. And there is a slight current that begins to pull you forward. So, Victor, Costalo, you actually don't need to row at this point anymore. It's pretty much pulling you straight in. And you enter into the tunnel of the cave. As you move past the cave entrance, you see that the tunnel that is within here is narrow and rather damp. There is water that drips from the ceiling that falls down and cascades onto the five of your shoulders. There is the sound of the surf that echoes from the water current outside. You drift in a short distance, and you begin to hear the sound of rushing water. The boat that you're sitting in begins to move quicker. It's picking up speed as the current begins to take full effect on it. The tunnel starts to wind ahead to the left, and then back to the right as your boat begins to pick up speed and moves off into the darkness. The light from outside of the afternoon sky is beginning to fade away as you move closer into the darkness. Anything you guys want to do? I don't know, but I'm seasick. I'm scared. Spooky stuff is happening. I'm not having a good time. Victor, you remember going through here. You remember the directions and the ways and everything. You know that the current is going to pull you off to the side and start to get a little bit rocky at this point. Brace yourselves. And as you move further into the tunnel, the current begins to pick up speed even quicker. The boat starts to get a little bit more choppy at this point, and you can tell that the current is getting strong enough that it actually is beginning to rock the boat slightly back and forth. If I could please have all five of you make a dexterity saving throw. All of you are going to do this with advantage because you're all currently sitting down in the boat as opposed to, say, standing up and looking around or doing anything like that. 25. Okay. 24. Okay. 18. Mm-hmm. I got a 14. Okay. And the five of you manage to grip onto the different sides of the boat or onto the flooring or onto each other as you begin to get jostled around as the water begins to turn into rapids. As you move off through the darkness, Arden, you are thrust into complete darkness and can't see what's going on. So this is quite scary for you. Could you please make a constitution saving throw? Oh no, I'm lucky again. That's that natural one. Okay, 17. That's a lot better. Okay. And Arden, you manage to swallow back down the vomit that starts to come up into your throat and don't loose it out over onto the boat as you guys continue further into the tunnels. The rest of you, however, can see well enough in the dark. So you all can see that the tunnel is beginning to zigzag back and forth rather erratically. It almost looks like a strange lightning bolt has carved itself through the center of this island. It's so random, it would seem, the directions that it goes. But Victor, you've been here before, so you start calling out directions for how to steer the boat and begin to help steer the boat yourself. If you could, could you please make a wisdom saving throw to make sure you are remembering the way correctly? All right. 
13. Okay. After what seems to be hours of choppy running along the water, but you all know realistically it's just a few moments, the boat thrusts out of the narrow tunnel into a large chamber. There is, for those of you who can see in the dark, stalactites that dot the ceiling at least 50 feet above you. The surface of the water has become dark, almost black in your dark vision of this underground lake. Victor, you recognize this area. You recognize the small jutting of land directly across from you all, where you and the captain and ten other men made it this far and found the artifact before they turned away and left you on that small island alone. There's tunnels that lead out of the chamber on either side, you notice. You can also just make out on the far left of the cavern, where there is another tunnel that lies. The beach here is dark, almost like black sand, that flanks that tunnel on your left. You can see the beach ahead of you, Victor, something that you don't remember being here before. Dead bodies strewn across the surface of the beach. You begin to draw closer, and you recognize these men by their clothing, by their weaponry, by their faces. The men of your crew, who tried to leave this place and leave you within, those who escaped with the captain, all dead, washed up on the shore, on this small island that once housed the artifact. Very decomposed? Oh, yeah. Maybe mummified from the salt water? (laughs) Yeah, no, they're very bloated. Partial states of decay. There's quite a bit of bone that you can see. The skin and tendons and muscle that remains is very much eaten by fish and decayed and waterlogged. They definitely are not a pretty sight to behold. Or smell. Or smell. That's true. Castallo says something under his breath in a language that none of you understand. And he makes a strange gesture with his hands and touches his forehead and lowers his head for a moment. You look to him, Iridanza, and you see that when he picks his head back up, he has reverted back to his serpent person true form. He takes that hand, and he draws it away from his forehead, and he holds it out in front of him, and suddenly the area is bathed in a warm, golden light that illuminates the area for you to see as well, Arden. You see all the dead bodies, bloated and decayed and really gross, and part of you wishes he had kept the light off. Yeah, I would like to fail that constitution saving throw now. (laughs) (laughs) And now that the boat has come to a steady, calm, relaxing stop in the center of this lake, you throw up, heaving all of the contents of Desi's going away package over the side. Oh, Arden, I have to go in there. Oh, well, better at this end than the other, I guess. What do you guys wish to do? I would like to dive off the side of the boat on the opposite side of the vomit. Okay. And start searching for the artifact. Okay. I will use my psychic whispers so that way we can communicate between us with her while she's diving. Oh, great thinking. Absolutely. How about the rest of you? The current has brought you in here and the current seems to lead into this chamber and stop here. So it's not like you guys are still moving. You guys are basically floating in the center of this underground lake. How long does that Psychic Whispers last, Nisha? Six hours. Oh, nice roll. Okay, perfect. I give like a moment of silence and say almost to myself, it's low volume, but enough that people could hear. 
Although you have died, my crew members, your death will not be in vain. I will make sure that the trinket we found will save a town. Okay. Iridanza, you look to your companions one last time, and then you slip over the edge and drift beneath the dark waters here in the underground lake. So what do the rest of you do while she's doing this? I'll bring the boat to the shore. Okay. Victor, you casually row the boat over to the shore. You know it's going to probably take Iridanza some time to find the third artifact, so you know you have time to relax and wait. And you beach it up onto the shore amongst the dead bodies. Um, Nisha will look around a little bit, see if there's anything about the cave or anything that she uh, knows that might help us find where this artifact is. Okay. If you could, Nisha, please make a perception check for me. 26. Nisha, you're looking about, you're kind of studying the area. You're looking at the different tunnels that branch off to the sides. And you can see that everything in here is dark, other than the light that Castallo has casted on a small stone that he holds in his hand so that you all could see well enough in here. You can tell that everything in here is naturally formed. It all just feels like natural caverns. But what you do notice in one of the tunnels that leads off to what would be the eastern tunnels, there is a symbol that is carved into one of the walls. The wall that seems to be a little bit smoother than naturally formed rock. From this distance, though, you can't quite make out what it is. You'd have to get a little bit closer, but you noticed it well enough. Hey guys, there's something on the wall over there. I want to go check it out. Anybody want to come with me? Sure. Yeah, might as might as well. Destalo. He looks around to the dead. I will stay with our boat in case we need to make a quick and escalated exit. You go ahead. And he actually starts walking in amongst your former crewmen and is doing what would basically be the Velocence version of Last Rites, kneeling and looking over them and saying things under his breath, making gestures with his hands, things of this nature. I uh, give him a nod of appreciation. Iridanza, below the black, dark waters of this underground cave, even with your dark vision, it gets very hard to see after just a couple of feet. And pretty soon you are swimming in inky, black, cold waters that defy your vision. You push down further into the depths, searching for a bottom, or perhaps something that might perhaps give you a sign as to whether or not you were going in the right direction. If you could, go ahead and make a perception check at disadvantage, please. That would be a 12. And looking around in this inky darkness, you do not see anything of the sort, unfortunately. You continue to swim, and there is a slight current under the water that you have to fight against to get deeper. So if you could, please make an athletics test. Okay. Uh, normal? Yes. <laughs> That'd be a natural one, giving me eight. Okay. And as you try to swim further down, straight down against the current, after just a few strokes, you would guess you're not much more than 20 feet below the surface of the water. It gets so thick, so hard to go against the current that you cannot move any further. It's like the current here is just too strong for someone as, as skilled a swimmer as you. I would like to cast Detect Magic. Okay. 
So you gesture with your hands, you close your eyes for a moment, you call back on your ancestral magics to determine if magic is around, and you reach out with your senses about 30 feet around you to determine if there's the presence of any magical auras or effects. At first, you sense nothing in the inky black. But then, below you, just another couple of feet, something very subtle magic, something very minor. It drifts towards you, you can feel. It's about a foot away from you, but it's so black and dark in here, you can't see what it is. When you sense another magical aura, the same size and strength, roughly, about ten feet to your left, coming up from the depths towards you. And then a third, a fourth, a fifth. Ahead of you, in the darkness, there is a light that begins to form, shimmering magical aura of your spell illuminating it. Whatever this is that is below the inky black cold is moving towards you rather slowly. It gets to the edge of the inky black, just past where you can't see with your vision. And something begins to emerge out of that inky black. A hand that begins to reach up towards you. The hand leads to an arm, to a shoulder, a chest, and a face half-decayed and waterlogged, a man wearing sailor's clothing comes up towards you. You look around at the other points of light, and they seem to be the same thing. Dead sailors drifting up out of the current below. And as you notice this, Iridanza, as the one in front of you gets to be about two feet away from your face, its eyes snap open. White Lifeless eyes that regard you, and its face forms into a rictus grin. On the shore, Victor, Nisha, and Arden, the three of you walk closer to the symbol on the wall that Nisha noticed. And as you draw closer, you can see that the section of the wall here is actually smooth, polished, almost marble-like stone. It looks different than all the other rock and outcroppings around you. You notice it's what appears to be a plinth of some sort, a section of a building, perhaps? And all at once, it hits you, what it could perhaps be. Some sort of partially buried structure. The symbol, you notice, is one that you recognize very easily. One that you've seen several times in your journeys in Freeport. A symbol of a circle with three semicircles around it, and from those three semicircles, three pronged serpent or perhaps undersea creature like tentacles that wrap up in a familiar pattern. The symbol of the Brotherhood of the Yellow Sign. As the four of you make this realization, its light flashes a bright, vibrant, orangey yellow. Nearby, Castallo jerks back in a start as the man that he is looking over, his eyes open, and he begins to get to his feet. I believe we have a problem here, he yells to all of you, and you turn to regard to see what's going on. On the beach, the shore, all of the dead sailors begin to stand, but one, Victor, you notice, is already standing. 
in the spot where you originally found the trinket. A tall, rather unkempt-looking man, more intact than the others, it would seem. His features are trimmed with a very slight yellow light. Hello there, boy, your former captain says, as his scimitar comes into hand. If we could, let's once again have the five of you roll initiative. So I rolled the natural one. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, max natural 20, 22. I'm wow, lucky. nice. Way to turn that around with your luck, halfling man. Perfect. All right, so I already got 22. What's everybody else got? 18. 22 for me as well. And 18 for me. Interesting. <laughs> 22, 18, 22, 18. All right, Castallo is going to have 16. And the undead pirates now have a 14. And Nisha, as you see the undead life spring through these men as they stand up, you can see their eyes begin to glow with that same orange-yellow light given off by the sigil of the Brotherhood of the Unspeakable One. What do you do? Nisha is going to use her psychic whispers to alert your Donza and let her know that the dead have come back to life, so you need to come back to the surface now. And I'm going to let her know, I'm very aware! <laughs> 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 and then Nisha's going to get out her psychic blade and she's not going to go after the captain that was talking to Victor. She's going to go to the next closest guy and she's going to throw a psychic blade at him with a natural 20. So 28 to hit. Mm -hmm. 34 points of damage. If he's still standing, I'll attack him again. Okay. As your psychic blade lashes out and it slams right into the forehead of this undead pirate, his head jerks back and there's a sickening snap as part of his neck breaks away. He needs to make a constitution saving throw. Okay. And he then falls to the floor dead. For real dead. For real dead. He falls truly lifeless to the dark sand. So now I'm going to attack this guy that was next to him within five feet of this guy with a, another psychic blade with a 15 to hit. Okay, And that does hit him as well. It'll only be eight damage. And you lash forward another psychic blade that shoots across the cavern. It's fuchsia energy illuminating as it goes, and it slams into the chest of this undead pirate next to the one that you just dropped. He, however, does not fall yet. I'll move forward 25 feet, so I can be a little bit closer to everybody. You got it. Arden, in the back, you look and you see all of these scary-looking pirates standing up on broken, shattered legs, holding arms that are entirely attached, vacant looks on their faces. What do you do? I don't think this counts as ghosts, but uh, close enough. So I'm going to move forward and stand next to Nisha. Comrades in arms, standing shoulder to uh, knee. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty short, so maybe your knee. And I... I am going to cast Fireball. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm going to cast it kind of right in the middle of all these foos. Right. Arden, you gesture with your hands. The rest of you up here notice he does something he hasn't done before. 
fire flares across his form for a second. It wipes down his arms, forms into a ball in his hand, and like his chaos orb that he typically attacks with, he throws this fireball. It streaks through the dark cavern, slams into the sand between all of the undead, and it explodes in a ring of fire, uproarious flame that shatters part of the sand, turning parts of it into glass and alighting things on fire around it. They need to make a dexterity save of? 15. Okay. Okay, that's a lot of failures. And as the fireball explodes in the midst of all these undead, you see that several of them get emulated in the flames, burning into cinders and falling to the dark sand around them. The captain, however, you notice, a great majority of the fire passes through his semi-incorporeal form. How much damage does that do? 31 points of damage, or if they succeeded, 15. And then as the fire starts to die down and lick across the sands, you see that out of the six that he threw it into the center of, one remains, as well as the captain. The others are burnt to cinders. Victor, you lock eyes with the captain for a moment. If from one captain to another, you know that there is an unspoken rule of the sea. This man is yours to fight. Well, I'd like to say it's nice to see you, Cap, but not in these terms. Allow me to be the one to put your soul to rest. So I'm going to move 25 while I'm drawing my longsword and shield. Yep. I'm going to make an attack with the intent on using my blade flourish. Okay. So it's a 24 to hit. Mm -hmm. And the option I'm going to use is my favorite one, which is the defensive flourish. So that would be a total of 16 damage. My blade flourish die was a 4, so that's going to add 4 to my AC until the start of my next turn. Your longsword slashes across his abdomen, partially going through his semi-incorporeal form. The light that he is shimmered with flickers for a second, matching a pulsing rhythm with the trinket upon your longsword. He gets a mischievous grin. Iridanza, beneath the waves, however, you are beginning to be surrounded by these undead creatures. You hear Nisha's words ring out through your mind. And you're well aware of what's going on, because you're front and center with five of them. The one directly in front of you is reaching out towards you. You have time just enough to react before he grabs onto you and pulls you further into the abyss below. What do you do? Start swimming up. Okay, make an athletics test, please. That would be a 15. Yep, you start swimming up towards the surface. The magic that you are detecting drops away as you lose the concentration on it. You start swimming up towards the surface, and you can feel through the current of the water around you that the five of them are now starting to match your speed and follow you towards the surface. But your head does break through the surface of the water. You can see that your companions have moved the rowboat. It's no longer in the center of the lake where you left it. I'm going to start swimming towards the shore, but I'm going to stay under the water so I don't lose momentum with the friction of the air. Perfect. Okay. And you continue to swim along. Castallo looks around at all the undead around, and he gestures. He pulls forth some small trinket, it would seem. A intertwined serpent around a staff of some sort. And he holds it aloft in front of him. Be gone from this dark place, he says. 
a golden yellow light emerges from it. The two undead nearest him begin to shriek and recoil away from the light of his holy item that he holds in front of him. They seem to be turned away from his presence. Yig's power coursing through him is revulsive to them, and they are moving away. The captain, however, is not moving away, Victor. He is quite ready to fight you. He's going to attack you with his cutlass. Oh, no. Your former captain, Victor, swipes his scimitar at you, and the cutlass bites into you with a natural 20 to hit. You feel unholy power course through it, bites into your soul. You're going to take five points of necrotic damage. If you could, please make a constitution saving throw. Very well. 17. You feel as that blade bites into you, that something within you feels like it's being pulled away from you. This is not unlike when you stabbed yourself and saved Anisha that way that you felt then. You could definitely tell it's trying to drain off part of your life essence. Nisha. All right. I'm going to try to attack this other guy 30 feet in front of me, straight ahead. So you're attacking the undead who survived Arden's fireball? Yes. Okay. The 16. Yeah, the hits. And that will be 21 damage. Okay. Your psychic blade slams into his chest and he drops to the ground, meeting the same grisly fate as his companions. All right. So I'm going to move up a good 30 feet or so, and I'm going to attack this other guy that's to the left behind Castallo with my other attack of a psychic blade. And I don't think a 13 is going to hit. A 13 does hit. Oh, well, uh, eight damage. Okay. And your psychic blade slams into this guy's stomach, but he manages to just keep on coming. Arden, the last bits of the fireball dance across the sands and flicker out. What do you do? Huh. I'm going to turn and see that Victor is clearly struggling with this guy. He looks pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that he didn't die when I fireballed him. Bad mm-hmm. juju. So I'm going to cast Chaos Bolt. And I'm going to spend a sorcery point and twin spell it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to shoot the captain twice. Got it. Alright, first Chaos Bolt does a 25 hit. It does. Alright. Eight points of damage and... That's going to be fire damage. Okay. All right. Second chaos bolt. 19 to hit. It does. All right. This one's going to be six points of cold damage. Okay. You let loose the chaos bolt, and it splits in the air and streaks around, hitting the undead captain in the chest with each blow. The first one, a rolling ball of fire that explodes, lighting part of his clothing on fire. The second, a cold blast that turns that same frozen section into small shards of ice that drop down to the ground. He still stands, however. He seems to be completely and totally preoccupied with Victor and Victor alone. Anything else you do, Arden? I'm just going to move a little bit closer to the Nisha, and I'll end my turn there. You got it. Victor, your former captain, grits his teeth. You shouldn't have left me to die, boy. What do you do? I did what I had to to survive. It's what you taught me. I'm going to do an attack roll. Mm-hmm. 18 to hit. It will. 11 points of damage. 
Once again, your longsword bites into his chest, and as it swipes through, it feels like you're hitting nothing, but for a split second as you reach his core, you feel it connect with something. At that moment, you notice, is when the trinket flashes its icy blue color. He still stands, however. Iridanza, you get to the shore, and you come out upon the dark sands. And for a brief second, you recall that vision you saw when you grasped the gem after it was removed from Gavin Taurus. Dark water on black sands. Mm, yeah, that does seem familiar. Once I get to a point where I'm standing and I'm above water at least more than halfway, I turn and take my spear. Yeah. Assuming that the undead are directly behind me still chasing. Right. I'm going to stab the one closest to me. Got it. Not before I cast Hunter's Mark on it. Be a 16 to hit. Okay. As your feet make purchase with the sand, you turn, whipping out your spear, and you stab it out instinctively towards the undead pirate directly behind you. The spear takes him square in the throat. If he were a living man, he would drop instantly, but this man seems to be made of sturdier stuff now the undead life courses through him. What's the damage? That is 14 points of damage. Okay. And being a ranger, I attack twice, and I'm going to yank that spear out and stab again. Okay. It's a 22 to hit. Mm-hmm. Sure does. With 11 points of damage. Okay. The second blow, however, this time to his forehead, drops him. It's enough to end his undead life. You turn to see the other four undead pirates wading up out of the water behind him, closing it around you. Castallo, on the shore, continues to hold his holy symbol aloft. He yells out something else that none of you understand, and then there is golden energy that lances out of the holy symbol and dances forth, slamming into the chest of the nearest undead creature. Sparks of energy that lance out of its chest, burning through as it then collapses to the ground as the guiding light of Yig's power burns through him. Castallo turns his attention to the nearest undead pirate, who closes in. Slamming into him and knocking him off of his feet, Castallo's head rocks off of the sand nearby as he lets out a Bleh! Victor, the captain attacks you again. He attacks you with a 19. That will hit. Okay. You're going to take six points of necrotic damage as his sword once again slices through your chest, just glancing off of your longsword that you try to deflect it with. If you could, please make a constitution saving throw. Oh, please pass. 14. 14. You can feel, as it bites into you, that same energy trying to draw your life force out, but you withstand it for now. Nisha. All right, Nisha is going to lend a hand to Victor with this captain and attack him with her psychic blade. It does an 11 hit. The captain? Yeah. It does not, unfortunately. She'll try again with a 15. That will. Okay. Let's be 14 damage. Okay. You see, as the psychic blade, the first one, you throw it, it darts by, and it misses him. It actually seems to pass through his form. The second one, however, does find purchase. And, Victor, you see that it doesn't do nearly as much damage as Nisha's blades typically do. Arden, what are you up to? Oof. There's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. I got one guy who took two Chaos Bolts to the mouth, and he's still pounding on Victor. I think Nisha's got this. I'm going to push forward 
a little bit, walk along, get closer to our uh, disgusting snake frontier. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to this time cast a chaos bolt at one of the fools chasing Iridon's down. At one kind of uh, closest to her. Absolutely. I'm going to cast a chaos bolt at level two on him. Okay. So 21 hit. Oh, definitely. All right, level two chaos bolt coming right up, and that's going to be a 16. Okay. That's going to be poison damage. The chaos bolt darts forward, and it slams into this undead pirate's chest and has no effect. Did I say poison damage? I meant psychic. (laughs) 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 Silly me. Oh, amazing. (laughs) All right. Victor, locked in mortal combat with your pirate captain enemy. What do you do? So I noticed, is the trinket making more of a reactivity to the captain? At this point, it glows whenever you fight with it. What it's doing now is every time it makes contact with him, when you are successfully able to hit him, it flashes brighter for a split second as it hits. Okay. I'm going to try to draw upon the trinket's energy further. Uh, Essentially, Mm -hmm. I'm going to use Hexblade's curse. Okay. So we will make an attack roll now after that. And that is an 18 to hit. That'll hit. Okay, so that will be 13 points of damage total. Okay. You draw forth the Hexblade's power, and you feel its curse connect over the undead pirate's form. He shimmers for a second as he actually gets somewhat substantial form before it becomes intangible again. But you can tell that it made contact and it connected. Using that energy, you attack. The longsword bites into him and there's a bright flash of light again on the trinket as you make contact. And you can see that parts of his form start to split and break apart. You seem to be gaining the upper hand. Iridanza. You see as the chaos bolt that hit the chest of the one nearest you had no effect. The other three are drawing in closer. What do you do? I step to my right. I imagine she's facing backwards, so to her left, so that the three to her right and directly in front of her are a little further, and she's going to stab the one. Okay. Attack number one is an 11. Double hit. Yes, and attack number two is a 12. That'll hit as well. So attack number one. We'll deal 12 points of damage. Okay. You moved your hunter's mark off of the dead one onto this guy. Exactly. Yep, that was my plan. Right. Okay, so attack number two was 10 points of damage, Mm -hmm. giving a grand total of 22 points of damage. And as you wrench the spear free on the second strike, he collapses in front of you and disappears into the water below. Castallo gestures again, calling forth the power of Yig, and... A longsword made out of golden energy springs forth out of his palm, shoots through the air, and it starts attacking the undead that is now on top of him, hacking into his back and rending his flesh as he continues to pin Castallo to the ground. Castallo, however, is still pinned to the floor with the undead on top of him. The captain attacks you again, Victor, with a 13 to hit, which is going to miss. As he tries to attack you this time, however, you get the longsword up in time and deflect the blow. The undead that is on top of Castallo starts to try to claw and slam at him. He grabs a hold of Castallo by his shirt, pulls his head slightly up off of the sand, and then slams him back down onto the sand hard. Castallo looks as if his head's starting to spin 
he looks like he's about to lose consciousness. The long sword that's hacking into this thing's back winks out of existence and disappears as he loses concentration on it. The other undead move in towards you, Iridanza. So you're going to take three attacks. Cool. The first one comes in with an eight, which you quickly and easily sidestep out of the way. The second one comes in with a 12. Which is also a miss. Okay. And you get the back end of your spear and smack his hand away. The third one comes forward to try to slam into you, and you do a quick movement with your feet and slide back in the water slightly, and his hands go short as he can't get a hold of you. Nisha. All right, Nisha is going to attack the guy that is attacking Castallo. Mm-hmm. It is a 12 hit. It does. So that'll be 20 points of damage. Okay. Your psychic blade hits into him, and he drops lifeless on a Castallo's form. All right. And then Nisha's going to attack the guy that's closest to her that's actually attacking Iridanza. Okay. So she's going to attack him with a natural 20. Oh, yes. Uh, for 28. Mm-hmm. That is 12 points of damage. Your psychic blade slams into that man's back. He slams onto his knees and then onto his side, half submerged in the surf. All right, Arden, what do you do? I'm going to turn back to the captain fighting Victor. I'm just going to cast a chill touch on him. 22 the hit. It does. All right. 11 points. Okay. Victor, you see as you're locked in combat with the captain that a large skeletal hand erupts out of the sand beneath him. It grabs onto just below his sternum and rakes down the front of his body. As it gets to about where his knees are, you see it make purchase with his form and grip into him. It begins to pull him down into the sand, partially submerging him in it before it rakes through the rest of his body. His spectral form shimmers for a moment, and he looks up at you, and something washes across his features. His look of hatred and anger washes away to one of sadness and despair. And then, he winks out of existence. Victor, you take a moment to mourn your fallen captain, and then you look around to see that there are two undead still engaged in combat with Iridanza on the edge of the shore. I will gain back six hit points due to the Hexblade curse. Mm-hmm. And I will use a Eldritch Blast on one of the undead that is surrounding Iridanza. Absolutely. Um, so 10 to hit with the first one? Yes. That is just nine points of force. Okay. The second one is an 11 to hit? Yep, that's higher than 10. And that is only going to be one point, so ten total. That's right. It is enough. Your two Eldritch Blast strikes buff it into him with a one-two combination, and he also drops lifeless into the surf. Iridanza, there is one final undead around you, and his eyes burn with anger and hatred and loss. What do you do? Stab him right in the face. All right, roll it. First hit is a 13. That hits. With 12 points of damage. And Iridanza, your spear stabs directly into his face between his eyes. You twist it and wrench it free, and he drops lifeless to the surf like the others. And around you, the calm of the after-battle effects start to wind down. 
Nisha, you glance back over at that sigil that you all found on the wall, and you see that it is still glowing, but no more undead awaken to meet any of you. Costalo rolls over, pushes the undead pirate off of him, and slowly gets to his feet. He turns over, and he looks at all of you standing there on the shore with him. Well, I'm sure it can't get much worse than this now. I wouldn't be so sure. You all hear a familiar voice, and you see a boat that has followed you all in here, unobserved while you all were fighting the undead pirates. And within that boat, a tall, powerfully built orc, battle axe in hand. Agro looks to you, Victor, and says, Are you ready for our dance now, Half-Blood? Thank you for listening to the Game Night Heroes. The tale continues another time. This was Freeport, Episode 27, Return to Darkness. Please subscribe and give us a review. It helps new listeners find us and take the journey along with you and with us. We can be found on all social media at Game Night Heroes. Please be sure to follow us for updates and for new information. We can also be found at GameNightHeroes.com. The Game Night Heroes is hosted and game mastered by Kevin Stacy. Victor Reed is played by Rob Alexander. Iradonzo Orame is played by Colleen Alexander. Arden Langalar is played by Aaron Regner. Nisha Lycoania is played by Brittany Stone. The Freeport Trilogy was created and published by Chris Premus and Green Ronin Publishing. Logo design and podcast cover art for the Game Night Heroes was created by Josh K. Music is from various artists and appears from Pixabay. Please feel free to message us at Game Night Heroes Contact at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you. The Game Night Heroes are proud partners of Green Ronin Publishing. You can find them online at greenronin.com. This has been a presentation of the Game Night Heroes. Until next time, keep dreaming your impossible dream. Although you have died, my crew members, your death will not be in vain. I will make sure that the trinket we found will save a town. Look at you, you almost rhymed that all up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look out. Is that ahead of time? No. Well, you know what, Nisha? He is a bard. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> Listen, I'm a part-time rapper now, okay? <laughs> That's it.